This is a Liverpool Echo podcast on Anfield Plus, the home of your daily podcasts, bringing you the inside track from Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast and a very upbeat one it should be too. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm very pleased to be joined by two Liverpool supporters, Paul Philbin. Hello. And Neil McDonald. Good afternoon. So two games in, two wins, six goals, zero conceded. It's the first time we've actually spoke since the season started. Is it been as good as, as you could have hoped, lads? Absolutely. Um, I think going into the season, we knew that we were a good side, but just off two games, I don't think people actually realised that we're that good a side. And in 180 minutes of football, we've shown two different elements to our game already. And to be honest, the thing that surprised me most is how much Allison and Navigator have improved us already. They've just added a different dimension to our side. No, they've been they've been great, and it's um, it's a, a case of you know you you get what you pay for. You know, it's rare in football you get guarantees, but it seems now the work the recruitment team has done, we are buying as close as you can get to guarantees. You know, you you buy cater because we wanted someone who could go both ways in midfield absolutely dominate games and he's starting to show that we buy Allison because we wanted someone who's just going to be a total class act um, and I, I took the time today to spend uh, a few minutes just watching a video of his distribution against Palace and oh my god yeah, it's just absolutely unbelievable um, so yeah it's um, it's been a great start to the season they've been key components but I think the thing for me if you like the biggest difference between this season and last I mean I know it's only two games in but it's been the sense of control in that there hasn't be, even been a period within a game where Liverpool didn't feel like they were in control um, you know as opposed to some games last season where they were a bit mental and you know it, it ended up 4-3 or you'd think the game was won and then suddenly something had changed and it just disappeared this time round hopefully what we are seeing is a Liverpool team with the ability to just boss matches from start to finish and even if we're not ripping through teams all the time we can still just keep them around length and play the game as we as we want it to be played rather than getting into a you know a, a slugging match and, and whoever's got the biggest punch wins yeah and I, I thought it was pretty mature performance on Monday night you know I think that it's, it's been overwritten isn't it a bit about how uh, a tougher ground Palace is because Liverpool have actually won five five times there on the run now but you know they are a good team there is an intimidating atmosphere there but did Liverpool show on Monday Paul you were there a bit of grit as well as, as well as that control you know to, to dig out the results well that was it there was a period I think near the end just before we scored in the first half and just before we scored in the second half where it felt like not that it felt like Palace were going to score, but they were on top, and it was like we just needed to grind out a bit, and that's what we done. Um, in the ground, I was calling for Henderson to come on uh, halfway through the second half because it felt like we were losing it in midfield a bit. Um, Wijnaldum and Milner looked a bit tired, and when Henderson come on, everything went back to normal, and he was brilliant when he come on. I haven't like I know it was only twenty minutes or so. But people haven't really mentioned how good he was when he came on. He kept the ball ticking, and just there was like an element of calmness when he came on the pitch. And I think everyone in the ground felt that as well. Like what in the past there would have been games like Palace away where we're one nil up with twenty, fifteen, twenty to go, and they, like our fans would be like, "Are oh, they going to score? Just going to equalise is coming," but it wasn't going to come. 
even though they were on top. But <laughs> it's great to see that because we haven't had that for God knows how long. I can't think off the top of my head of a team where you've felt so confident at 1-0 that you're going to grind this out no matter what, really. Well, I remember, um, I think it was City away in Klopp's first season, where we were playing well, and then they were able to bring on players from the bench who could affect the game, and we could not. And we ended up, I mean, we ended up drawing, which is a good result, but we just didn't have anyone on the bench who could affect the game. And now we've got players in the stand who can affect the game, never mind on the bench. And this is this is what we wanted. You know, this is how your squad becomes a really good squad. You know, you buy in quality, and the players who were your first team has become your squad. And and that's what's happened. You know that is undoubtedly what's happened. And the fact that we can afford to just let Fabinho sort of find his way gradually into English football, we don't have to worry, put too much on him too soon. Um, you know it speaks volumes. This is this is how it should be. And and long may it continue. Yeah, it's like the captain of Liverpool Football Club, Jordan Henderson, came on and pressed the other night. He cannot be certain of his place. It's, it's mad to say that, but looking at the options now, Fabinho wasn't on the bench on Monday night and. And how impressed have you been by Genie Wijnaldum in the the first couple of games? He he's been brilliant. The thing with Wijnaldum for me, since he arrived at Liverpool, is at Anfield he's been great, but when we've been away from home, he has been a bit of a passenger. But towards the end of last season, there were games, especially Roma away, where he stood out, and then on Monday night at Selhurst Park, you'd expect it to be tough and a few tackles going in, but. He was the one doing that. He was the one who was muscling plays off the ball. I think there was a moment where he pushed Benteke off the ball and like yeah. the size difference is just ridiculous. But and it's great to see that from Wijnaldum because he has got that strength and power. But away from Manfield he just hasn't seemed to use it that much, but now it seems like he has the confidence in his own ability to be doing that away from home. Neil, have you been impressed by the, the former Newcastle man? He was probably at the start of the season when we were all picking the midfield. He, he probably wasn't one that it, it, it would be named. Would you, is that fair to say? No, he, he certainly wasn't in my first choice. I mean, like most people, I think, my first choice would have been um, Fabinho, Henderson, Keita. I think most people were saying that um, just because you're excited about the new signings and Henderson was the captain. So I remember in terms of pre-season, I went to the Torino game in Anfield and it was Keita I was most looking forward to seeing that night. But when Aldi Moore came away, most impressed by him, and he was he was great that night. You know, he was sort of breaking um, past the strikers. You know, he scored. He could have had another. Um, he played really, really well. And and again, hopefully, this is a byproduct of what we were saying about this, the overall strengthening. In that, if you're already here, you've you've looked round. I mean, he seems to have looked round and thought to himself, "I've got to, you know, I can't afford to just coast this now. I can't. My place is far from secure. And if I want to have a career here." beyond this season you know I've got to put the effort in I've got to build on what I've done and and become invaluable you know that's always the key I think is to become you know you if you're a manager you want people who you can look at and think well I can trust them to do whatever I want them to do and he's you know he's I won't say he's quite there yet but he certainly started along that that road and, and two you know some good performances so far so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens I mean that players come and go don't they during the season with form and fitness and stuff like that so we'll see how he how he does but he's you know he, he's a already I think a key component of the squad he's certainly played I think he's played the most of anyone um, 
so that in itself speaks volumes but you just want him for me the next step is for him to have a real sort of dynamic impact on games because he like Paul said I don't think he always does that um, you know even like the defensive stuff it was sort of quietly doing the dirty work putting his foot in but you know you want him to be able to just take games by the scruff of the neck and, and, and really sort of command them and that you know hopefully that will come yeah, you've got those options now for what they call the number six, Henderson, Fabinho and obviously Ronaldo. But are we already seeing two games into the season the difference that Keita brings to the team? <laughs> he's... I don't want to get carried away, but he is unbelievable. I honestly think he's the only person in that ground the other night who knew he was going to send Townsend for the Echo. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the away end just went, oh... Like just didn't didn't see it coming. We haven't seen that from a Liverpool midfielder for. I can't even remember one because it's not something that Gerrard would have done, or anyone over the past twenty years. That we haven't had that kind of my, uh, midfielder. And if he starts adding goals to his game, like he, I think he should have scored on Monday night when Salah put it on a play for him. But if he starts adding goals to his game, we can't look at that already two games in but he will be one hell of a player for Liverpool and um, <laughs> the Liverpool fans are really happy with him and they're really trying really really hard to come up with it with a song <laughs> for him already <laughs> so we'll see how that one goes he just glides doesn't he you know you, I, you've got to be careful with comparisons but I know even a year ago before he signed it was that Iniesta one and God, if he, if he comes up to the level of Iniesta, Liverpool have got a, a massive player on the hands. But, but there, there are that similarities, aren't they? The way he, his passing is so measured, isn't it? The way he just drifts with the ball at his feet. Yeah, I mean, like Paul, you know, I'm not, I'm not one for getting carried away, but I think he's probably the greatest player in the <laughs> history of football. <laughs> um, so no, I, I just, you just can't wait to see him continue to develop. You know, I mean, he's already, um, he's he's come in and just and really stamped his his mark on the. At the game with moments of class, I think. Um, so, yeah, and that's when he's sort of still feeling his way in and is a newcomer to the league. He probably doesn't speak perfect English yet or good English. You know, he's still learning his way very much to a new club, new surroundings, and teammates. So, you just wonder what's he going to be like by by Christmas. You know, by November, he could be anything. And and again, this is this is what you want. You know, you want really great players. Um, making the mark for the for the team, you know, you you look at the Liverpool's team now, like the first choice team, and you think like compare it to a year ago, and how many like proper worldies would you have said were in that team? I mean, a year ago you you might not even have said any because Salah was kind of an unknown quantity, um, but since then now in terms of like proper world class players, you'd definitely say the goalkeeper, you'd say Van Dijk. You'd say Salah, Mane and Firmino probably are all world-class. And then on the back of that, you've got this, this lad in midfield who could be anything. You know, he could, I don't know what's better than world-class. Um, he could be an absolute superstar of the game and, and hopefully it's at Anfield and for Liverpool that he's going to realise that, um, that potential you know, and really sort of explode onto the, onto the scene. So it's, it's, just, it's just so exciting to see. And I, I, mean, I remember when I was... I was on this pod towards the end of last season. We were talking about what we're going to do next season, and I, I said, "I'm going to, I'm going to." Every time on this pod, I'm going to mention it for as long as it's, as long as it lasts. I think we're going to go for, you know, I think we're going to win the league. I thought that at the end of last season, um, play back the play back the tapes, 
uh, and you'll hear I definitely said yeah, that. Yeah, I remember. Um, so, I, and I, I still think that you know because we are as a team and as a squad we are improving. You know, we have got we're still nowhere near the ceiling when it comes to where we could go and what we could be. Um, and if anything, now we've got greater options that we still haven't seen. You know, you look at Sturridge um, and you look at Shakiri, who still haven't really started in terms of in terms of the league. Um, it's it is frightening. You know, it's frightening for everyone else. It's great for us. So let's just let's keep going. And you know, to get back to to Kaito, as I say, hopefully, like the team, his trajectory is only going to go one way, which is which is up and up. You talk about winning the league there. I know it sounds crazy to say after two weeks of the season, but Man City are first, Liverpool are second. Is this a, a this a almost uh, things to come? Almost, you know, the fact that it, it is going to be Liverpool and City fighting out for first and second when you compare it to the way United have started. Arsenal look a work in progress, and and even though Chelsea have also won two goals, uh, two games, they've, they've not perfect in either of those. No, I I think we're definitely in a two-horse race. Um, but I, I just feel very I don't know at the end of last season I felt very confident and this and that's only continued um, you know we are a much better team now than we were last season that's a that's a fact um, and we've got more to you know we've got much more to come um, so yeah it, it, I mean of course it's early days but you just you haven't seen anything yet that's given you cause to think oh well that's a that's a problem, you know. They can get arrows there. Um, it just looks like we, you know, what we've done in the summer is address the issues of the team and put us in a position where we we can have a, a really great uh, great season and a, and a go for you know for big honours. So fingers crossed. That's that's the way it'll it'll turn out. I don't think it'll be a two horse race. So I think Tottenham will be strong again, and I do think Chelsea will be really strong. Looking at I know what against Arsenal the defence looked a bit shaky. But what I'm worried about, I think teams fear Liverpool more than they fear Manchester City and that could in some games see us come a bit unstuck because they are gonna park the bus and another bus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two double deckers. <laughs> yeah, and there may be times where things don't work because it's football everyone's happy and everyone's positive at the minute but we do have to remember over 38 games plus a European campaign and cup competitions there are going to be moments where things will go wrong it just happens but on the other hand the big six well the other big the big five will be looking at us and going they've been to Crystal Palace already and won they've had West Ham go to their place and they've it was a walk over, and we should beat West Ham at home. But they've shown over in recent seasons actually that they can go to Anfield and win. They can go to the Etihad and win. Yeah, new look so, West Ham as well. A new, know, a new yeah, manager. They had a bit of excitement around them, didn't they? You know, going into that game and the yeah, uh, <laughs> that soon went away. And they will come good, uh, and you would fancy them to pick up a, uh, a result in, against one of those big sides away from home. Because they always tend to do, and it won't be Liverpool this season. United, yeah. Well, speaking of United, Jose's not very happy, is he at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> had another, yeah. had another pop, hasn't he? Since uh, at City as well as Liverpool now. Just let him do what he's got to do. Like I'm happy with him being unhappy. So the longer he's unhappy, the worse it is for United. 
and they got Tottenham this weekend. Yeah, Monday yeah, night, Monday, yeah. So they could drop points again, and if not, Tottenham are dropping points already early on the season. So it's a bonus either way. Yeah, it's back to Monday night though. You know, on this this podcast and all the podcasts we do, there's been a litany of praise for the for the front three, but. On Monday, it was all about the defence. I think it's fair to say, and how they, you know, they dealt with Ben Seki and the rest of that, you know, that pretty decent Palace attack. And, and one man got in particular got praise was was Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, Paul, again, you were there. What was he like on the on the night? So, what, how, did you, how did you rate his performance? Unbelievable. I, I've watched Dejan Lovren battle against Ben Seki in the past, and well, not at Anfield because he always seems to score at Anfield, but at Selhurst Park where Lovren has done a number on him and Lovren has done a number on other big strikers Romelu Lukaku comes to mind every time he's played up against Lukaku he's always had the better of him but Van Dijk he's just on a different level isn't he um, when I got home yesterday I watched Carragher's assessment of him and he was absolutely spot on with what he said and I'm going to go back to a podcast that we done at the end of last season and I said if it wasn't if Van Dijk would have signed for Liverpool last summer. He would have been the player of the season. Yeah, and I'm convinced more than ever that he will be Liverpool's player of the season this year. He's just he's changed everything so much. Like we've got the best defensive record. Yeah, I think since he signed, Liverpool have kept the most clean sheets and have conceded the fewest goals. I think Gary Neville mentioned mentioned it on Monday Night Football because I was watching that last night. Um, in 31 games, Liverpool have only conceded 20 goals or something. It's ridiculous numbers, and he is—he has played a massive part of that. And he early on in the season, his partner Joe Gomez has as well. He has been both games. I've come out to Anfield and said to my brother and my mates, "He was great today." So <laughs> whether they and Lovren can get back in the side is. Um, Going to be interesting. We're doing well. We're the best centre half in the world. Can't get any side. It's mad, isn't it? You know, he, he, he did the comeback he did last season. He had the fantastic Champions League final. He had a good World Cup. Said he's the best in the world. He might not even be good enough to get the Liverpool team <laughs> at the moment. But that, that's praise to Gomez, isn't it, Neil? Yeah, oh, it is. I, I thought Lovren was a hotelier now. <laughs> uh, judging by his Instagram feed, no, it is. Um, you know, but uh, about Van Dijk. I mean, uh, this is showing my age now, but. The thing I can most sort of like closely refer it to, and obviously you'd have to do it over a longer period for this to be a true comparison. But when um, Alan Hansen played for Liverpool, uh, even towards the end of his Liverpool career, it didn't matter who was playing alongside him because whoever it was would look good. But if you took the moment we took Hansen out of that equation, suddenly things didn't look you know as as good as they were. So, for instance, when um, probably the the best one I can think of was when Liverpool signed Glenn Hussain um, and he looked a total class act um, but then as soon as Alan Hansen wasn't there to basically tell him what to do and put him in the right position it kind of fell apart a bit and you think that's the case now with um, with Van Dijk he, he's got such an air of command and authority that he does improve he's one of those players who improves everyone around him the same way you can say the same with Firmino because of the way he plays he makes everyone else look better um, and for a young um, centre-half still learning his way like Joe Gomez it must be ace to have someone yeah. like that alongside you know that you can just look up to and uh, you know not just in the game but through the week 
you know any questions or you know any sort of things you want to talk through about performance or any feedback that Van Dyke gives to him you know it must be invaluable to have that sort of input I mean let's not forget if he hadn't got injured Joe Gomez probably would have gone to the World Cup and I, I think probably would have started I mean yeah, it was only when he got injured that Carl Walker mm. came into the team as that third centre I mean maybe he would maybe he wouldn't but it, he definitely would have been in the squad I think if he hadn't been injured so it's not like he's, he's finding his way but I, I think like every Liverpool fan you know for the last couple of years everyone has wanted him to get this this go at um, at centre back and it, it's going to be weird because he's only got really another two games then you have the international break and then you would think Lovren will be fit yeah because he's been called up hasn't he by Croatia I don't think he'll go no. that would be crazy if he's not fit to play for his club and then goes and plays for Croatia but um, that's going to be interesting to see what Klopp does after the international break as to whether Gomez keeps his place um, but I, I hope he does you know you want him to do well you know he's been around the club he looks like a great lad he's had a good attitude through his injury uh, or his injuries so you know hopefully he will have a long run and become the um, you know the player we've all everyone sort of almost earmarked him to be from, from the moment he signed An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo Feels like it feels like not a make or break season for Gomez, but Trent's made the right back position his own. So coming into this season, he wasn't going to start at right back. He and he's probably third in line now with Klein back fit. And you think back to the likes of um, Andre Wisdom and Martin Kelly, who were brought through the youth ranks at Liverpool as centre half, and then made the move to full back, and then. That's it, the Liverpool career was over because they didn't get that chance in the middle of like, the defence. Gomez has got that now. And he's at the age, is he what, 21, 22? Yeah. Where you either sink or swim. And so far he is swimming. And quite comfortably as well. So, <sighs> let him go for it. Just let him form this partnership because with Trent on one side and Andy Dobbo on the other, with Alisson behind them that could be Liverpool's back five for god knows how many years so and it started off well this season just let it continue yeah you, you brought up Alisson there Neil you used a good word on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon when we were speaking about the Palace game about how Alisson and Van Dijk have this order about them can you remember uh, probably the last kind of Liverpool centre-back goalkeeper partnership that, that had that jeez oh, um, put you on the spot yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I think Pepe Reina did have to a degree when he first came in, although that kind of ended when he decided to adopt his style and stop diving for shots. Um, I mean, in terms of having a, an aura, like I mean, because the the aura you're talking about is one of sort of calmness and and capability, isn't it? You know, of just absolute assuredness. I mean, Liverpool haven't had many goalkeepers. I think that have had that uh, about them, e- even when you know the likes of well, over the last few years, we certainly haven't. Going mean, back to Clements, even. I mean, he would—he'd probably be the only one. Even when Grobler was on the absolute peak of his powers, he could always throw one in. That was just the way it was with him. But in terms of just being assured, I mean, again, that's a big shout to make because Ray Clements did it over a long period of time, and he was absolutely peerless. You know, he was untouchable. 
um, at that uh, at that time. So it, I mean, it's, it is too early to say that, but they they do both seem to bring that sort of commanding aura that improves your teammates, you know, sort of enhances them and, and sees opponents kind of wither away. Um, we'll see. I mean, the time to do that is, will be in a or the time to really judge that will be in a game when things really aren't going against um, or going for Liverpool. You know, when we go to one of the tougher uh, away games, um, you know, tougher than Crystal Palace, then we'll see. Um, but it's a it's a good start, and you know, hopefully it, it continues. You know, you like after after so long. It's just nice to watch a goalie and you, your heart isn't in your mouth every time the ball goes over the halfway line. You know, you've got someone there who you, who you have faith in to do the right thing nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. Um, and, you know, that's for a team like Liverpool, especially one, if you're serious about competing at the the higher level of the game, that that's what you that's what you want. You know, you need people like that. I mean, if you look again around the league, I think it's no, no exaggeration to me to think De Gea has effectively carried United um, into the top four. Without him, there's no way they'd have been a top four side, I don't think, over the last few years, or got as far as he did. You know, in Mourinho's first season, um, ridiculously easy um, Europa League draw notwithstanding. You know, without him, they wouldn't be, uh, or wouldn't have the record they do. So now we've got someone like that who potentially is as good as him. Um, So, you know, hopefully we'll see the benefits of that over a, over a sustain, sustained period of time and, and also when, when our backs are against the wall. Do you think the Van Dyke signing, the immediate success he's had and continues to have, maybe not Klopp, but or convinced FSG, the owners, to to sign Alisson? You know, because I know there was almost a model the club were working to, which Klopp's done fantastically well at Dortmund as well, where you maybe not buy the ready-made article. But of what we've seen with Van Dyke so far, that sometimes you've got to go and do that and, and pay the big money. I think he started with Mane before that because the Liverpool have got a load of players now who've got this steely look, like arrogance of don't worry about me, I know what I'm doing. And I think he started with when we signed Sadio Mane for 35 million. People were looking, going, it's a lot of money, that a lot of money. And then it turned out that he's actually really good at football. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was the start. And then you look at Salah, he's got that same look. And then Van Dyke took it to a new level, and I think the owners have realised, and and maybe the fans as well, that you just have to spend that money if you want to play. Is just spend the money because no Liverpool fan is now moaning, going, "Oh, why are we paying fifty million for this fella? Why are we paying this amount? We're just doing it because they're really good players." And long may continue. Um, Allison's got that look about him where. I know what I'm doing. It's fine, and I can't remember. Maybe Mascherano, Alonso, Rainer, and that had that order about them. But in the past eight, nine years, we haven't had players like that. Yeah, even then, there were plenty of players around them who didn't. Well, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, that was the the problem with that that team. Um, I think. I mean, for me, when you look at who we're buying. Everyone goes on. I mean, when especially when they first came in, everyone went on about Moneyball, and I think the the perception was you try and get people on the cheap in that because you, you can develop them. But to to me, the key. I mean, I've I've read, I watched the film, I've read the book, and from what I understand, it 
the key element of Moneyball is looking for value. That's the that's the word. You look for value, and even so, in a way, with that, it doesn't matter what you spend. You know, Andy Robertson for eight million is undoubtedly excellent value, but so is Virgil Van Dijk for what Liverpool paid for him, and so is Allison for what Liverpool paid for him, because they've solved major issues in the team, and have equipped us to going forward to challenge for for whatever we want. Really, you know, they have. They have massively, massively improved the team. So what's that worth? You know, in like a, a monetary sense, but also hopefully in a in a trophy winning sense, you know, effectively it could be priceless. So I, I think, you know, spend what you like or, or convincing them to spend. I think it's convincing them to, to make sure that the, the players that they buy add value regardless of cost. And that's that's what certainly over the last couple of years Virtually everyone they bought has undoubtedly added value, um, and if they haven't, you know, then it's it's early days. You know, yeah. they, they've still got a chance to. So as we said, it was going to be an upbeat podcast. It certainly proved that to be. Let's play devil's advocate. I should say. Have you got any concerns so far about any players or anything that that were just too good? Is that a concern? <laughs> Not a bad concern to have. Yeah, we, we might score too many goals. Um, no, I don't have any um, any concerns. I mean. A couple of players still seem to be working their way back to where they were, but you know those players have been involved in the World Cup or you know coming back from injury. So no, I got no no concerns about that. I mean, the big one coming out of pre-season was the thought that we hadn't signed like the quote-unquote Coutinho replacement. You know, and if a medical notwithstanding, Nabil Fakir would have been a Liverpool player now on top of the ones we've already got, but. Are we missing that at the moment? No, you know we're, we're not. And who's to say what's going to happen in January? We could come back and and bring in someone like that or someone else. You know, you you never um, you never know. So no, and uh, and the players that we've let leave the club, like before our transfer window finished, and, and the ones who potentially may go now, I don't have any concerns about them going. I don't think they would materially affect the squad in terms of quality. Um, I don't think they get near the team much. So, no, I've got um, as it stands. I have I have no um, no concerns. You know, no no concerns that we can control. I mean, you look at City and think you know they've started really well, but you can't control what they do. You know, they, they'll either be as good as they were or they won't. Um, so certainly in terms of the stuff that Liverpool can control, then things are panning out as a, as I would want them to as a as a fan. Totally agree with that. Um, the only concern that I had was wiped away after about 24 seconds of him coming on was when Sturridge scored against West Ham. <laughs> there was the worry in my mind of where the goal's going to come from if it doesn't happen with the front three. And even though... Oh, is it only Milner and Sturridge? Yeah, only Milner and Sturridge out of the front three that haven't scored so far. It looks like this goal's going to come from all over the place. And I think we'll actually see a lot more from our defensive areas. I think Trent will get his few and Van Dijk will obviously score a, a couple in the, in the right end because he's just an absolute giant, isn't he? So, no concerns from me. Everything's good. Good stuff. So, before we wrap up, let's look ahead to the, to the two games that'll take place before we're back here for another podcast. Uh, Brighton at home on Saturday, then Leicester away before the international break. Another six points on the board, would that be fair to say? It's got to be. Uh, 
That's the target. <laughs> yeah, Brighton at home. That should be as routine as they get. It's like, like with Crystal Palace, I said to a few of my mates, who were not concerned about going to Palace, but it was, they don't win two games on the bounce. And the poor away from home. Yeah. Brighton do not win two games on the bounce. And they do not win two games on the bounce against Manchester United and then Liverpool. That should be as routine as it comes. I'd even go as far as saying that we'll go into the international break without conceding the goal. Because Leicester without Vardy, because he'll have the three-game ban as well, won't he? So yeah. No Mares. No Mares, yeah. Like that, the lad he signed from Norwich looks a good player, but we should have enough to beat those two sides and we don't have to worry about any kind of playoff in the Champions League our, our focus is this week on Brighton the week after on Leicester and then we'll go into the international break and go to Wembley and beat Tottenham no, I, I agree I think we, you know you don't you don't take anything for granted you know you can't be complacent but if it comes down to playing against Brighton then all things been equal we're just better you know we proved that last season you know by, by thrashing them twice last season home and away so as long as we go into the game with the right attitude um, I think you might see a couple of changes it wouldn't surprise me if Klopp got um, Sturridge to start instead of instead of Firmino I think that's something I, I think he'd look at just to give him a to give him a go and, and you know Firmino I don't think it'd do any harm just to take him out or put him on the bench for a, for a week I also think he'd look to get all things being equal, probably look to give Shakiri a bit of time because he hasn't really had any so far, um, and it's easier or should be easier to do that against Brighton at home than against Leicester away. But I, I agree with Paul. You know, I think in terms of this first four games of the season, and especially when you look like we talked about Man City, you know, apart from Arsenal on the first day, um, but even then, you take play in this Arsenal then because they're still they are still massively a work in progress. Um, if we played them now I think we'd put five past them um, but if you look at that these first four games you know you've got to get as many you've got to get four wins it's simple as, it's simple as that these are the teams we've got to beat if we're going to you know sort of hold on in this stirring contest with Manchester City and hope they're the ones who blink uh, who blink first you know they, they just haven't been they haven't been tested so far really you know like put under real pressure um, and it's hard to do, you know. They're a team; it's hard to do that too. But we managed to do it three times last season. So hopefully, you know, other teams will be able to to come up with that, or they won't get the last minute winner that they always seem to last year. Um, so for us, yeah, I, I agree with Paul. I think we've got to be looking to have twelve points, and we should have um, twelve points because we are we are better now than we were last season, and we're far better than the teams we're playing. If we we should have the 12 points, but if we only end up with 10 points after four games, that's still a really good start to the season, and I think most Liverpool fans would have took that. Ten po- it was after t- four games in 2013-14 as well, we also had 10 points. Uh, we dropped points against Swansea away, but 10 points after four, you'd take that. So that's the minimum requirement going into the inter- international break. Yeah, and just one final one. By the time we reconvene in a couple of weeks as well, we'll know the Champions League groups. A story that does really well on the Echo website is about the seedings, which pot Liverpool will be in. I think if Salonica beat Benfica, Liverpool are going to pot two. If not, they'll be in pot three. Does that bother you at all? You know, or you take on anywhere? Take on whoever, but um, somebody tweeted before that 
decided Benfica to play and have won 23 home games on the bounce. So, th- mm. if you're looking at that, then you may fancy Liverpool to be in pot two. But so would so would Porto, weren't they, last season? <laughs> when we, uh, yeah. yeah. No matter no matter who Liverpool what pot we're in, everyone's going to go Liverpool. They seem to avoid in that pot. Nobody will want to play us in Europe. Bring it on! I can't wait. This. A week Thursday, I'll be sitting in the office somewhere booking flights, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I'm not really bothered about who we play because I think we're good enough to beat anyone. But I would be quite happy with a an, an easier draw as we had this season that gets us through without any without any drama. You know, I, I for me, I think getting at the key aim in the first part of the Champions League is just to get out of the group. It doesn't matter how you do it. And, you know, yes, you think, oh, it'd be great to have Champions League nights and all that, you know, against some giants of the game. But let's just get out of the group and then we can worry about that. So if we get, you know, Locomotive Moscow and a couple of other teams no one's heard of, that's I'm fine with that. You know, we had a, I think we had a very decent draw um, last season. Perhaps was a little bit tougher than it looked, given how well um, Sevilla went on to do. But, um, yeah, let's, you know, let's just get... let's if we, If we don't draw any absolute giants I won't be bothered if we do great but if we don't let's just get through that's the that's the most important thing that's it as well like getting the big ties the great and the atmosphere is memorable but at the end of the day you're in the competition to win it so just get the easiest teams and the big big ties will come later on in that competition so let's aim for that instead of playing the big t- sides in the group stages to be to be honest I don't know about you Paul but for me you know the league is the thing this year you know that's what I I just love us to win the league after so long. You know I was there the last time we picked it up, and you you just want to see days like that. You know and I never thought it would be this long, but now it feels like we have got a, a real chance. You know we've had a, a real chance a couple of times before, but there's been other teams who've just been nice to take it away, and, and that may be the case this time. But let's just have a go and let's have a real go for the league. And to me, that's the the thing this season that is the the most important thing to me by a by a mile. And on that note I think we'll we'll wrap up. Paul, Neil, thanks very much for joining me. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you again in two weeks. You've been listening to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app.